Hey guys, by this time, your radio may be blaring. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know that mine is, among so many other Christmas songs. I absolutely love Christmas songs. But chances are, you also know someone who is probably struggling as the holidays approach. You know, this season can be a painful reminder of what's missing, especially after a devastating loss or an unexpected trauma or a difficult transition. That's why we want to partner with you to give the gift of healing. Perhaps the greatest gift you can offer someone you love who is in pain are the resources that they need in order to partner with God to take back their story. So now, through December 9th, you can choose from among the incredible offerings at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries and receive a discount of $5, $15, $40, or even more. Here's how it works. If you spend $25 or more, you can get $5 off. If you spend $70 or more, you can get $15 off. If you spend $150 or more, you can get $40 off. Plus, we're offering 30% off of all of our coaching packages. With incredible Nothing is Wasted ministry products and services like our 42-day devotional or our Pain to Purpose course or our one-on-one coaching with a certified coach, you can help your loved ones begin their healing journey this holiday. And on our store, there are gift certificate options for so many of these products. Now, to give the gift of healing this holiday season, simply use these promo codes, HEALING5, HEALING15, HEALING40. Now, HEALING is all capitalized. So HEALING5, HEALING15, HEALING40. And again, that's $5 off of $25 or more, $15 off $70 or more, or $40 off $150 or more. Listen, we know how hard it is to watch a loved one suffer through life's challenges, which is why we at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries create resources for a variety of pain points, everywhere from loss to sexual betrayal to childhood trauma, abortion, regret, and recovery, divorce, and so much more. We also know how hard it can be to know how to help someone through the painful parts of their story. And so we want to equip you to show that you care and to help your friends and family heal. There is no greater gift than helping someone navigate their pain-to-purpose journey. It'll bring so much fulfillment and satisfaction to you, and it'll bring so much hope and healing to your friends and family. Don't miss out on this chance to do just that. Take this opportunity for incredible savings on all of our products and let this season bring true comfort to those who are hurting around you. Again, this offer stands through December 9th, so take advantage of it now. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and we have a little bit of a different format for the next couple of weeks. We've been giving our team a little bit of a time off during the holidays, and so Aubrey's not going to be with us. Normally, Aubrey Sampson is co-hosting with me. If you're familiar with the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, but if you're new with us, we're just so glad that you're here. We want to create environments where uh, we can begin talking about pain, suffering, grief, trauma, loss, and so we're continually... Uh, interviewing people who have gone through really horrific things, um, 
gone through painful experiences, but God has shown up in their story. And that's the common thread that you're going to see on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We have a great interview today with Melissa Swain. Uh, Melissa's husband passed away in 2021. He was a disciple-making pastor at Long Hollow Church, and he was in the process of writing a book about how to disciple your kids. What does it look like to generationally think about discipleship in terms of your own nuclear family unit. And um, just a remarkable thing that Melissa has done is she's begun to put uh, purpose to her pain out of her grief. She actually partnered with the publisher to be able to finish this book. And just as she tells kind of the story of what God has been doing in just, I mean, this is very fresh. This was in 2021. So she tells the story of what God has been doing in her life as she's been sorting through her own grief. I know many of you guys are going to resonate with this. I know this is something that's going to really minister to you and touch you. And so um, why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Melissa Swain, and I'll talk a little bit more on the back end. Well, Melissa, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Davey. I'm glad to be here. I would love for you to share with us a little bit about your life right now. Um, you know, what what it is that you do. I know that we're going to talk about your story. You found yourself in a story and in a life that you never would have expected, never would have invited. And, you know, and yet you're here, you're in front of us. Um, you seem to have the Holy Spirit all over you. You look great. And after we talk okay. about your story, you're, there's... There, People are going to go, how in the world is she standing um, after what she's endured over the past couple of years? And so tell us a little bit about you right now, and then let's dive back and kind of talk about how you got here. Sure. So right now, um, my first priority is being mom to my kids. Um, as we're recording this, my son turned 15 yesterday. And we've done the driver's wow. test and started driving. And so that's a whole new thing in our life. Um, my daughter's 11, moving into middle school this year. And so it's lots of new and exciting and a little bit scary things, um, being mm. a mom um, and being a mom by myself right now. Um, that's, yeah. you know, it's a lot anyway, but it's a lot, um, especially in that context. Um, I'm a homeschool mom. We homeschool. So... You know, my um, my kids' education, a, a lot of it rests on my shoulders. We have some wonderful teachers who come alongside us and help us in some different ways. But um, so I get to I get to do that. I have the privilege of making sure my kids receive um, a godly and quality education. Both of those things are important. Um, and I I work from home, um, so I'm working. Um, as a content specialist for our church and writing and helping um, communicate things with our church body and and helping get wow. information out the way it needs to go. Wow! So that's my that's my big thing. We also have a dog who I would be <laughs> in really big trouble if I Could neglected to mention our English bulldog. Part of the family. His name is Emmett. Yes. Right. Oh, Part yes. Of the family. <laughs> yes. I'm curious about this uh, content. You said content specialist for your church. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about yes. that. What does that entail? Uh, I think it's super cool because I know a lot of churches are beginning to move in that direction right now, um, especially with everything being digital. Obviously, our organization is very much a digital content organization along with the community and the coaching that we do. But tell me about mm -hmm. that. What does that entail for you? 
So it's a new it's a new position at our church, um, but we have a large church, and so you know we have a lot of different ministries. We have a website that's constantly changing. We have um, emails that have to go out, and so I'm I'm there to just help make sure that um, that our ministries don't get bogged down with what they should say on a website. How should I say this? What should I say? Well, they can yeah. give me the information, and I can help um, take that load off of them. And also help make sure that our vocabulary and our language is consistent throughout. And we're saying the things that we need to say in the way that we need to say them so that we're consistent across the board. Wow. That's great. That's an incredible um, position. And obviously, I geek out over that stuff because that's that's something we're inundated in all the time, right? And we're yeah. listening to yeah. people who are doing it well and we're thinking about um, branding. We're thinking about, you know, how do we say this in a way that is cohesive, that is clear, that is simple, that is helping mm -hmm. people get from point A to point B in their spiritual journey um, quicker? Because, you know, uh, you've probably heard this before. Donald Miller says, if you confuse, you lose. And I think that's true yes. in church world. I think that's true in ministry. I think that's across the board. And so I love what you're doing. That's mm -hmm. a really, really cool thing. I could sit and talk to you about that for an hour, but that's not why we're here. We're not talking about that. I want to talk about... <laughs> Your story, I want to talk about what has happened because you and your husband um, were very involved with this this church, you know, prior to mm -hmm. um, what you're doing right now. And um and 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 you have quite a story of loss. So why don't you back up and talk to us a little bit about what's taking place in your life and and, and we'll talk about how God's shown up in that. Yeah. So Chris and I got married um in nineteen ninety eight. We're ancient. Um, <laughs> we're <laughs> We're old. <laughs> I would have never known that. I'll, honestly, you didn't have to tell us that. We didn't. I would have. People were watching on YouTube. They're like, "How in the world?" There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we were babies. Yeah. We'll just say yeah, that. Um, <laughs> but we we began ministry even together, even before we were married. Mm. And so we were working together in ministry. And so he was a student pastor, and I was right there with him. Um, as the student admin for the wow. first little while after we married. Um, and so we um, we we always did ministry together. Wherever we were, whatever we were doing, um, it might look a little different, um, but we were always side by side together. Whatever we were doing, it was together. We liked wow. each other. Like, not only did we, like, <laughs> love each other, but we yeah. actually liked we each friends, other. Right? We, we were. We were best friends. We hung out together. Um, you know, we had date night. The best date nights for us was like TV on the couch after the kids <laughs> were in the bed. You know, like that was just our thing. We uh, just that's awesome. we would just rather be with each other doing nothing than to be out yeah. trying to, you know, find other things to do. Yeah. And so um, so that that took us all over the place um, over the nearly 23 years we were married. Um, and so we ended up here in Nashville. Um, Chris was working at Lifeway, um, and then we were already going to Long Hollow when a new pastor came and asked him to come on board there. And so that was um, that was a no brainer for us. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, we get to we get to step back into full time ministry at the place where we already love and are invested. And so that was a gift to get to do that um, the last um, five or so years of our ministry together. Um, working in discipleship and um, 
helping other churches even learn how to make disciples who make disciples. Wow. And getting to getting to partner with others and doing that. Yeah. So in 2019, um, I got a phone call that was shocking and that no one ever wants to get. And that was that my brother had been involved in an accident and he was uh, fishing with a friend and, and Aaron, my brother was always doing something with the buddy, you know, Aaron was, he was the kind of guy who was helping somebody do something all the time. He was out fishing with a buddy, helping him learn how to use his new boat and had some sort of medical emergency and fell into the water and could not be found. And they live where my parents are is about 10 hours away from here, a drive. And so I'm sitting here on the side of my bathtub after I've just put my kids to bed going, I don't, I don't know what is happening. No one knew what was happening. We did. We had no idea. Um, but Aaron was with Jesus. I mean that it it became very apparent very quickly that Aaron was not coming back, and that was really the first up close and super personal. Yeah. Um, grief that had hit our family. Now, you know, we had lost, we've lost other people before, but always in very different circumstances. Um, My grandfather passed from Alzheimer's, and that was a long and arduous journey for our whole family. And so it's different when you have a guy who's two months away from his 31st birthday, and he's just gone. So that, um, for our whole family, I'm the oldest of seven kids, and our family is, um, we're close. We we give each other a hard time, but we're close. And so our family rallied at that time. We all came in, we all, you know, gathered together, and it was hard hard because we had never done anything like that before. But I think that the Lord allowed us to do it together well and to allow one another to walk through it and grieve for Aaron in our own ways and really learn a lot about grief through that process. Mm. Yeah. Um, Melissa, can I... I can we pause right there? Something sure. you just said really intrigued me. Made, made me really curious that you said the Lord allowed us to do it well. Mm. Can you can you bring some some detail to that so we can you know because that that's a question we get often. It's like, what does this look like? How do I do this well? Mm-hmm. And is there a way to qualify that? What do you What did you mean when you said that? I think. Well, I mean. Having a large family, like seven kids, there are so many personalities, and we all do things differently, right? If you have two kids in your home, you know that they are born wired together differently. And so everybody needs different things. 
everybody processes differently. And so even as a large family with lots of different personalities and lots of different contexts for where we lived, the way we, you know, how we do things in our daily lives, we were able to give each other the space and the grace Mm. to grieve the way we needed to grieve. And that, um, that was a gift to each of us. And that, and also that my, my parents allowed that and encouraged that with us because we did not feel pressure to have to feel a certain way or to have to do a certain thing. You know, um, my sister, two of my sisters got tattoos for Aaron, you know, like, and, and there's a joke, you know, when are you getting yours? But they know I will probably never do that. And, and that's okay. <laughs> okay but, yeah. but we give our, we've given our, each other the grace and the space to do what we need to do. Mm, that's good. That's good. I think that's so important, you know, especially, and, and what a great thing that you have such a huge family that you're able mm-hmm. to demonstrate that really well because, um, you know, you find that people are at different paces in their grief journey and, mm-hmm. um, not everybody's going to, not everybody's going to keep the same pace immediately at the very beginning, right? It feels like everybody's kind of the same spot, but then mm-hmm. very quickly it begins to diverge and everybody begins to go in their own direction, their own pace and grief. And it, that can get really frustrating. It can become very tense and it can often lead to, uh, some fracturing of families because of that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I love that that you guys just recognized, hey, we've got to allow each other to to do this at our own pace, do our own kind of thing. We can't uh, project or presuppose our own journey onto someone else, even though we're walking through this, grieving the same person. Yeah. Um, and that, that's imperative. I want to make sure that we underscore that for folks who are listening to this. So... Yes, that, okay, so that's been a huge happens, blessing. Go ahead. Huge. That, that's been a huge blessing. Yeah. And we all, several of us have kids. And so we all had small kids mm-hmm. that we had to bring along in this grief journey. And so watching the kids talk about Uncle Aaron and realize, you know, when we're at, gathered at Thanksgiving, we're not going to hear Uncle Aaron's truck coming down the driveway. And giving them mm-hmm. the freedom to come and say, Hey, we we miss him, and giving them the ability to stop and pause and say, "I, I just miss him. He's not here to play with us, you know. He's not here to push us on the swing." Yeah. And then also giving ourselves the ability to maybe say something that he would have said, you know, get in a little joke or a rib mm-hmm. somewhere because he was he was that guy, you know, and. And to yeah. be okay with like laughing about it and then having a tear later too. Mm. Mm. Wow. Can, can I ask this too? Cause you know, here, obviously we're going to find out as we're listening, you know, folks who are listening to this, they're going to hear more of mm-hmm. even, you know, greater grief that you have walked through. But at this point, if you're able to think back, um, if I were to ask you the question, is it possible to do these kinds of family gatherings and still 
experience the the fullest extent of joy and happiness, even with that empty seat at the table. What would you say? Because I think I mean I'll, personally, our family is wrestling with this still, right? Seven years after losing mm-hmm. my wife, it's like we get together with her side of the family, and it's still there's. It's like man, it's still just there. There there feel there's a empty seat, and there's just this. For you know, especially for several other several members of the family, it's like it doesn't feel as joyful as it used to, and we kind of wonder that we're like, is this going to be possible? What does this look like? And I'm sure so many other people are wondering that too. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it will always be different because there's always somebody who's missing. Um, Aaron's absence is felt at every family gathering. Now with seven kids and spouses and grandkids and extra people that we've kind of adopted into our family. You know, you wouldn't think that with 40 people in the living room, one person's absence would be felt, but it is. And the important thing that I think my mom has led us in, my parents both have led us in and have allowed us to do is to just say it. Man, I Mm. miss Aaron. And then to even um, honor him, like he he was the he was the great uncle. Like he just he would roll up and play with the kids and you know wrestle them around and stuff. And so when my mom does Christmas stockings every year, she puts a gift in Aaron's stocking that's for all the grandkids. Something simple mm. like a movie that they would enjoy or something like that. But it is a way of keeping Aaron close and doing something special in his memory that we can all appreciate and love and say oh aaron loved this movie now you guys get to enjoy this movie too hey friends i can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that, we've built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, master classes, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. 
Now, you can get a taste of what our curated pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. Okay, so in the immediate aftermath of this, you know, this is, you guys are sorting through the loss of, of, of your brother. That was in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, quite a bit happened in 2020 and then obviously in, in 2021 for you. But talk to me about the kind of the lead up to this next loss that you've experienced. Yeah, so in 2021, um, we'd had a, we knew we had a crazy summer. Like it was one of those things where we, Chris and I were looking at the calendar and we were like, what in the world have we done to ourselves? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. We have a wedding across the country. We have camps. We have all of these things. What are we, what are we doing? And we had um, initially decided that July was our month to like chill and be at home together. And that was just, mm. that was just what we were going to do. Um, and then a few weeks out, Chris said, you know what? You need to go to that wedding reception for your sister in Arkansas. I need to finish writing this book that I'm writing. So you guys just go. You and the kids go. I'll stay here. I'll finish this manuscript. And then when you guys get back, then we're done. We are done with all of our obligations. We can really just like chill as a family. And so that was our plan. Um, July 5th. The morning after we had, you know, blown up fireworks and stayed up way too late and came home smelling like, you know, firework dust and all of that stuff, the kids and I got up early. Chris got up with us and drove us to the airport. And the kids and I went to my mom's and um, we spent the the plan was to spend a whole week with our family, um, be there for my sister's wedding reception that she was having because she'd gotten married across the country and just really enjoy some time with our family. Chris was here, writing, working, taking care of the brand new puppy that we had just gotten that he was having to potty train by himself. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, we talked, we FaceTimed, um, you know, things were, things were normal. And as much as I hate to mm. use that word, things were just as they had been before. We've done this a ton of times, you know, him here working, us there playing, FaceTiming, taking pictures, sending back and forth. 
um, on Friday evening, about 5.50 or so, I got a call. And it was my doorbell. And I was thinking, my doorbell shouldn't be ringing right now. So I hopped on the cameras at my house, you know, through the app. And could see a commotion going on outside our house. And I didn't know at the time, but it was Chris. There was an ambulance out in our in front of our house. There were neighbors everywhere. And I saw someone holding our puppy. And I knew that Chris was out there. And if someone else was holding our puppy, things were not good. And so through, um, you know, convoluted, like, calling different people and getting different calls and all of that kind of stuff, I managed to finally connect with the sheriff's deputy who was here. And he said, we don't really know what's going on right now, but your husband was found by the mailbox, non-responsive. And your neighbors, um, your neighbors found him and began CPR. And, and we have an ambulance here. We're taking him to the hospital where are you and can you get here? I was a nine, ten hour drive away. And so that just started the dominoes falling of how, what's going on? What's happening? Is he okay? How do I get home? Like, what do I tell my kids? What, what, what do we do? And the Lord in his graciousness had gone before us in so, so many ways, but through a series of events that I, I can't explain. Someone put us on a private plane and sent us home and we landed here in our town just before midnight and we were picked up and taken to the hospital where Chris was in CCU, unconscious, non-responsive. And after midnight, we show up to the hospital and there's a crowd of people waiting for us who've been there all evening with Chris waiting for us. And through another series of miracles, the kids and I were both allowed to go in and see him that evening. And we couldn't stay. They only gave us a few minutes. But that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, is walk in that room, not knowing what I was going to see, not knowing yeah. anything that was going on, and to have my kids walk in there and see their dad, not knowing if they'd ever talk to him again. Um, and so that, bega that began our next whatever, really. Um, but really the next 10 days of intense craziness. There's no other way to describe what 
what happened over the next 10 days other than just to say it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. Man. So you guys were, obviously he was in critical care and mm. did you know immediately that, the doctors have any kind of answers immediately what was going on what had happened um no and in fact we still don't have a couple of days yeah we still don't have a lot of answers um our 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 video camera our doorbell camera recorded chris walking out the front door with our puppy emmett and it cut off when he got to the middle of the driveway. And it didn't record anything else that happened. Our camera that's on the front of the house that looks out into the street was scrambled. That is the only time of the day that that video was scrambled. And we have no video recording of what happened. And at the time, I was pretty upset about that. But I re I recognize and realize that that was probably God's protection for us. Because the doctors, through all of the wonderful medical technologies that they have, all of the tests they were running, and they were very, um, they communicated very well with me. Um, they, you know, they kept us up to date. Thankfully, we were allowed in the hospital, um, you know, with COVID and all of the crazy um, restrictions that had been going on, we were allowed in the hospital. I was allowed in the room. They were allowing my kids to come back and see Chris, which was, you know, also a big deal. Um, but they couldn't tell us what happened. They said all of our tests indicate that it was not this whole list of things. It was not a heart attack. It was not an aneurysm or a blood clot or, uh, you know, like a hem. Like it, it was not any of these things. We cannot tell you what happened to him. We cannot tell you why he was lying on the ground beside your mailbox. We have no idea. Wow. And so they didn't know how long he had been without oxygen, how long, um, it had been before the neighbor found him and began CPR before any any of the things. They, they had no idea. And so it was a watching and waiting. And through the tests that they ran again and again, it became very clear that he was not going to wake up. You know, I can't imagine just the myriad of emotions that that brought to you in those, you know, those days as you're waiting for answers. And even now, not knowing, not knowing what mm -hmm. exactly happened. How, how is that for you, not having answers? How have you wrestled through that? Um, we, okay, so... This is going to sound really strange, but grief does this to us, and God works yeah. in mysterious ways, you know? 
Yep. There's we a lot of strange lot things of- that we feel and that we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. As a qualifier to everybody, every time I open my yes. mouth, I'm like, I, this is going to sound really strange, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just go with me here. Um, yep. I'm going we with didn't you. really have a lot of, we didn't really have a lot of answers with my brother, Aaron. We didn't know exactly mm. what happened with him. And so we had kind of, um, we'd kind of practiced at not knowing all the details. So when they came to me and they said, we don't know what happened to your husband. Because Chris had been to a doctor. He he was under a, a doctor's care. Like he was doing all the things that he was supposed to do. He'd had all of the, you know, the tests that you start doing when you get old and they check on things. And he'd had, a, had those done and they were fantastic. Like, he had a clean bill of health. And so like it didn't make sense what we were seeing with our eyes after what we had seen on those medical reports. Yeah. And so when Aaron died, I really had to wrestle through, okay, do I really believe what I've been saying my whole life? Do I really believe that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he Mm. knew this was going to happen from before Aaron was born? Did he know, did he truly know the number of Aaron's days? And so I had wrestled through all of that and decided, yeah, I really do believe this because I see the things that God has gone before us and done. And I see the things that he's still doing. And I see the way that he is allowing us to, even through all of this, minister to others and help someone else. Yeah. And so I had wrestled through all of that over the last two years. And so as I'm sitting in the hospital room and I'm looking at Chris, and this does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I still believe that God is sovereign, that God knew this, that that God numbered Chris's days before he was ever born. Mm. And so that if God knew this and if God put us together and brought us to this point that he was also going, that he already had the details figured out. Right. He's already He's already got it. And no, it is not fun. And no, I don't want this. This is not what I want at all. And if I could change it, I would. But I can't. And it's his job and not mine. And so that's really the first thing that was like, oh, okay. I've already decided this. I've already been down this road. And I've already decided that God is in control, that he knows what he's doing, and I don't, and I have to figure out how I'm going to be okay with that, because I really am okay with that. I just have to, like, figure out those details. Yeah. Wow. You know, one of the things you're saying is um, that there's some, like, pre-decisions for all of us that that we make. You know, in a little bit, I want to talk about discipleship because it's very much one of the things that you guys, you still do and that he was 
very mm-hmm. much a part of when it came to you. So it's very, it's a, it's a huge yeah. passion I know on your hearts, but part of discipleship, part of our growth, our sanctification is making some pre-decisions, right? Training for the trial that you're not yet in, but mm-hmm. settling on certain things about the character and nature of God. And yes. sometimes those things get settled in our hearts through difficult situations or pressurized situations. Sometimes they get settled as we just experience God and, you know, through really monumental moments. Um, sometimes they get settled through his word, right? But many of us come to points where we go, wait a minute, what I'm saying I believe, do I really believe this? And a lot of times those critical junctures happen with mm-hmm. pain, loss, uh, intense pressure, transition, crisis, whatever that is, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. And mm-hmm. and and what you're saying though is that you you settle on this, it, you know, the loss of your spouse. You can't compare it to the loss of a brother. It's very different, but it is extremely intense and very. It's a great loss, right? It's an extremely uh, horrific loss, uh, one mm-hmm. that touches even closer. I think sometimes. Uh, than the loss of a sibling. Um, although, again, I want to say that those two can't, they're, they're, they're just different. Um, and so this, this intense, great loss was already prepared for you by settling some of those terms with the Lord in this other loss. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting to me that that's part of the way God has um, allowed your story to play out, written your story, so that in a moment like this where you're going, I have, we have no answers for why, like zero answers. I mean, that is mind-boggling that the camera yeah. is scrambled in that moment, right? You're able to point to the character and nature of God still and say, no, I settled on who he is. I settled on what, like, what I believe about him. So this is not in flux. This is not shaken what I right. believe about him. Right. Man. That's powerful. That's powerful, Melissa. Yeah, and 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 it was it was a gift, honestly. I mean, I would never call my brother's death a gift, but what I learned through that, and what I um, what I worked through with God mm. through that, prepared me and was a gift because as I'm sitting there in the hospital and being asked to make decisions that no one should ever have to make. I didn't have to wrestle through that as well. Mm. That part was already settled and already done. And I had the peace of knowing that, God, you have numbered Chris's days. Mm. This is not mine to do. This is you. Yeah. I I think it's so— Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm good. I was just going to say, and even with my kids, you know, they were 13 and 10 at the time. And because they had experienced the grief of the loss of their uncle, who they were not super mm. close to, but still they loved him and he loved them. Yeah. They watched our whole family walk through that. And we we had so many discussions about that you know why how you know how and talking on a 13 and a 10 year old level 
with them about their dad was, I I don't want to say easier, that's the wrong word, but it was more familiar than if they had not experienced grief before. Hey guys, by this time, your radio may be blaring. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know that mine is, among so many other Christmas songs. I absolutely love Christmas songs. But chances are, you also know someone who is probably struggling as the holidays approach. You know, this season can be a painful reminder of what's missing, especially after a devastating loss or an unexpected trauma or a difficult transition. That's why we want to partner with you to give the gift of healing. Perhaps the greatest gift you can offer someone you love who is in pain are the resources that they need in order to partner with God to take back their story. So now, through December 9th, you can choose from among the incredible offerings at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries and receive a discount of $5, $15, $40, or even more. Here's how it works. If you spend $25 or more, you can get $5 off. If you spend $70 or more, you can get $15 off. If you spend $150 or more, you can get $40 off. Plus, we're offering 30% off of all of our coaching packages. With incredible Nothing Is Wasted ministry products and services like our 42-day devotional or our Pain to Purpose course or our one-on-one coaching with a certified coach, you can help your loved ones begin their healing journey this holiday. On our store, there are gift certificate options for so many of these products. Now, to give the gift of healing this holiday season, simply use these promo codes, HEALING5, HEALING15, HEALING40. Now, HEALING is all capitalized, so HEALING5, HEALING15, HEALING40. And again, that's $5 off of $25 or more, $15 off $70 or more, $40 off $150 or more. Listen, we know how hard it is to watch a loved one suffer through life's challenges, which is why we at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries create resources for a variety of pain points, everywhere from loss to sexual betrayal to childhood trauma, abortion, regret, and recovery, divorce, and so much more. We also know how hard it can be to know how to help someone through the painful parts of their story. And so we want to equip you to show that you care and to help your friends and family heal. There is no greater gift than helping someone navigate their pain to purpose journey. It'll bring so much fulfillment and satisfaction to you, and it'll bring so much hope and healing to your friends and family. Don't miss out on this chance to do just that. Take this opportunity for incredible savings on all of our products and let this season bring true comfort to those who are hurting around you. Again, this offer stands through December 9th, so take advantage of it now. You've said this a few times already in this conversation, you know, that you've referenced the verse that G, that the Lord has not numbered his days, right? And such a, I remember getting to that place. It's not the place you start, right? Mm-hmm. It usually isn't the place where when you lose somebody, you're like, well, the Lord has numbered their days and you come to this place of peace, mm-hmm. right? No. I mean, my wife was killed at 28 years old and everything about that is senseless. It's premature. It's from the world standpoint, from natural worldly eyes, we go, okay, that should that should never be the case. That should not have been the case in mm-hmm. her life. 
and on some level, absolutely, we can say that, right? That, yeah. And 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 of course, we've got we talk about all the time the perpetrators of pain. So we've got lots of different reasons why in this fallen world that life is snuffed out or ended senselessly and premature, not the way God intended it to be, right? Mm-hmm. However, Scripture also tells us that He knows the number of our days, and that there is a fulfillment that happens in each one of our lives where an assignment that he's given us here on earth that is our life is is done and kingdom eyes can look at those situations and go okay when when my time is done the lord's going to call me home and it's going to be the celebration on earth it's a, de- a departing in heaven it's a celebration right in on earth mm-hmm. it feels like this divorce or the severing it's agonizing, but in heaven, it's this, it's this joining. It's this beautiful, it's a party, right? It's this well done, good and faithful servant. And that is the crazy dichotomy of living here on earth and yet, and yet being a part of the kingdom that one can be very confusing. Uh, psychologists call it cognitive dissonance, right? Two very diametrically yeah. opposed ideas or concepts that are existing at the same time in our soul, right? They can be, it can be very confusing, like how this and, and also this. And yet it also brings so much peace, right? It gives us the ability to walk through grief in a way that the world can't walk through grief. Yeah. Yeah, last week was actually Chris's birthday. And it was his second birthday since he's gone to heaven. And so I was talking about with the kids, I was like, what should we do to celebrate daddy's birthday? Mm. And we just decided that we were just going to make cupcakes. Chris was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. So my my daughter wanted to make Dallas Cowboy cupcakes. And so that's what we did. Mm. And we just, you know, did our thing. But it reminded me, you know, she asked me, do they celebrate birthdays in heaven? Mm. And I said, well... I don't know, like maybe (laughs) because I feel like, you know, God planned a day for you to arrive on this earth, just like he planned a day for you to leave it. And so maybe, maybe that's a big deal in heaven. Maybe it's not. That doesn't matter really right now because we are left with both the human and the holy right now. Mm. Like we have... Um, we have this, the awesome thing of knowing where Chris is and that he is whole and complete and thriving. And mm. I mean, he's literally living his best life right now. More alive than he's ever but been. We're, yep. Yeah. We're left here with all the mess, with yeah. all of the, the human part of it that's contaminated by sin and death. And we kind of have to put up with that until God says it's our turn to go. Yeah. And it's not fun. No. But it's okay that it's not fun. Yeah. And we can just do the best that we can do knowing that God is in control and he's got us. Mm. That's so good, Melissa. You know, Chris was in the middle of writing a book. Um, I mean, he was mm-hmm. finishing his manuscript. And 
during this this couple of weeks or the, that week that you were gone and when he passed and um and you decided that you wanted to continue that mm-hmm. what what led to that decision how, how how long after his passing did you decide that talk to me about that process a little bit i didn't really get much time um chris his deadline for the manuscript wasn't until september but he had decided that he wanted to have it finished by by this point in july he wanted it done because we were gearing up for fall at church and anybody who goes to church knows <laughs> it's part you of a kick church off staff school is, and you kick off the fall right. <laughs> if you're part of church staff man you're running fast yep. and so he really that's wanted right. to be done um and so I didn't know until later, but as I went back and looked in his emails, he had finished all of the edits that his editor had asked for and done, he he had started the last chapter, but all the other stuff that he'd been emailing back and forth with on his editor, he'd completed and sent back just hours before he Mm. collapsed. And so as we're standing in the hospital and it had become very clear that he was not going to wake up, mm-hmm. standing there with my daughter, Honor, who, um, if you know, I mean, if you have a kid like this, you know what pops into their head comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's great and sometimes it's not. Yeah. But she said, Mom, who's going to finish Daddy's book? Mm. And, you know, as Mom, I'm standing there with her, and I'm like, let's talk about that later. We'll we'll figure that out. I, we don't have to do that right now. Yeah. And she turned and looked at me, and she said, Mom, you have to do it. Mm. And I'm, again, I was like, honor. <laughs> let's talk about this later, please. Can we... Let's not do this right now. And she said, no, Mama. She was very insistent. She said, you have to finish Daddy's book. Wow. And I knew she was right. I knew that because of what I had done professionally in the past, I had the skills to do it. I didn't know if I had what it would take from me right, to do it. Emotionally or, yeah. Yeah. But I also knew that in my Enneagram eightness, <laughs> that I was. I always really wonder sure when I, I talk to people. I'm like, <laughs> I want to know what any. I'm always trying to guess throughout the entire conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also knew in that eightness, yeah. I didn't want anybody else to have control over it. Mm. Um. So. It was one of those things that really was put in motion pretty quickly. That I. I think I may have kind of surprised our the agent mm-hmm. and the publishers when I emailed and said, hey, guys, um, we're going to finish this, mm. and I'm going to do it, and you're stuck with me. Wow. So here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> wow. And they were so – they have all been so kind and yeah. gracious and sensitive through the whole process, but I don't think they really – they didn't know what to do because they'd never had this happen yeah. before. You yeah. know, we have most of a manuscript turned in and then 
the author isn't here anymore. Like, what do we, what do we do? Um, so they, um, they have, they have been wonderful in allowing me to like, just take it and run with it and say, Hey, this, this is what we're going to do. Wow. Wow. It's a beautiful thing, really. I mean, we all want, I would think if we're, if we're intellectually honest, we all want to leave this earth with some kind of legacy, right? Mm -hmm. Some kind of thing that we're, we've left behind or, or people that we've left behind that um, bears testimony to a life well lived. Yes. And, you know, and, and all of that, I mean, each, each person it's suited to their gifts, right? So I'm a writer too. So when I think about like, okay, when I'm, when I'm done in this world, when my assignment's done, I, I'm praying that I have multiple books or multiple pieces of writing, things that can be left behind. Cause I read people who have gone before us and I get encouragement and I derive hope and faith from your C.S. Lewis and from your, right? Name a bunch of prolific ones, right? But even like the lesser name, lesser known names where it's like, what a powerful thing that you've got this thing that you're leaving behind. And I think it's so much more beautiful that he had this pretty much all finished and you decided to put the exclamation point on it and say, hey, we're going to finish this thing. And it became a cooperative. I mean, you talked about the beginning of this conversation. You guys were best friends. Who better, right? Some marriages, that's not the case. Some marriages, you're not best friends. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I love you to de- death do us part. I don't really like you. And I don't even really like hanging out with mm-hmm. you. But you guys were just so knit, knitted together that who better to be able to speak that same, through that same thread, that same heart um, on, the, on the topic that you guys were writing about. And what a, what a powerful and beautiful thing, Melissa. Yeah, it, it's been a huge blessing. And, you know, as he was writing it, I had the ability and the privilege. We we talked about it, and you know we he bounced ideas off back and forth, and he would send it to me. Hey, will you check this over? Mm-hmm. Will you read this? And so like I'd already had my hands in it a little bit, um, so that when it came time to take the manuscript and to to make some changes, the editor wanted to. Um, go back through and like, you know, do the things you have to do when you take pieces and put them all together, that it, it was already familiar to me. And it was, it was really sweet that I could pick that up and read it and hear his voice in my head and know that everything that he said in this book was true and real and not something made up or that he was just saying to put words on a page, that that, that really was who he was, wow. that, he, that he put in that book. Wow. Wow. I have to imagine that was also very healing for you, um, mm-hmm. to read his words, to take part in that. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the things in particular is that in his chapter on prayer, where he's talking about teaching your kids to pray, mm. And how you pray, and then how you talk to your kids when your prayers are not answered the way you want them to be. Mm. Um, When I got to that part, I was like, okay, you wrote this for our kids, too, and you didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. You know, the book is um, very much a a 
book about discipleship or making disciple cycles, mm -hmm. as you were kind of talking about our disciples that makes it disciples. That's what he did as part as as his job there at the church. He was, you know, a discipleship pastor essentially, right? Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I tell my team, you know, as we're as we're as we talk about what we do, as we try to put language to what we do. I tell, I tell my team, Hey, we're a discipleship ministry. Um, we're teaching people how to follow after Jesus. Yes. Now we happen to intersect people in their trauma and their tragedies and their major life transitions, but that's just the, and that's just the, 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 the entrance point, right? That's where people are coming into mm -hmm. our ministry, but really our goal is to disciple people. And mm -hmm. so I believe that some of the, greatest discipleship happens in these moments of crisis and pain because our ears are attuned to the Lord all of a sudden, yeah. desperate. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, as you think about discipleship, it's been such a big part of your relationship with Chris, your story, your marriage together, your life work, his life work, and, and you overlay that with grief. What is that? How do you feel like those things intersect? And what, what have you experienced in terms of your own discipleship, your own relationship with Jesus, and then how you see grief inform that for other people as well. One of the things that I have, you know, because this book that we wrote called Write It on Their Hearts is about allowing God to write his word on the hearts of your kids. Mm. And so, um, because that's what he does. Yeah. It's him. Right. He does that, not us, right? right? We we have to allow our kids to develop their own faith. They they can't have ours and then go out in the world and can continue their relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Because the world will suck every drop of life out of them if right. they don't have that direct line to God. Right. So one of the things that I have thought about as we've gone through the last 13 months is yeah, I'm discipling my kids because we're talking about the Bible. We're memorizing scripture. We're praying together. We're reading the Bible. Like we're doing these things. Like those things are happening. But I'm also discipling them in grief. Mm. I'm teaching them how to how to be okay when you're not okay. Yeah. How how to um, give space to people when they're hurting, how to allow people to speak into your life when no one knows what to say. Um, I'm not the best at that because as an eight, I like to like know where we're going and be in charge of things. And I've, <laughs> I've just kind of yeah. thrown all of that to the wind, you know, like that, yeah. that is not happening. But I get to show my kids what it's like to depend on God mm. when I don't know what's going on. And I don't know how many times my kids have walked into the kitchen and found me just crying while I'm cooking or, you know, washing dishes or whatever. Wow. And they're like, you okay? <laughs> yeah, but no, but it's fine. And they're like, okay. And, you know, and then later we might talk about it and we might not. But showing them that it's okay to depend on God, yeah. even when we don't know what's going on, 
has been the biggest part of this for me personally. Yeah. Wow. And that's what's so beautiful about discipleship is discipleship is not something that you get out of a textbook, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something yeah. that you just learn right here cerebrally. Although God's yeah. word disciples us, it teaches us, right? But it but it's God's word applied really mm -hmm. is what's most important. You know, and I think about Jesus and his quote unquote discipleship techniques, right? He's the yeah. master to learn from in this because he created the first disciples. And rabbis, Jesus was a rabbi. Rabbi rabbis teach through experience. Mm -hmm. They teach through object lessons. They're they'll stand somewhere, right? And they'll they'll always every time you see Jesus say something in scripture and, and he's like, you know, it's like the flowers of the field. Well, flowers were right there. He'd be able to point to the flowers. A rabbi right. always teaches mm -hmm. In, in a setting where he can point to whatever he's using as the object lesson. And so there's a, this experiential, visual type, immersive um, method of teaching. And what really is difficult to palate sometimes is that's the way God disciples us as well. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. these immersive experiences. And that's really, it's not because I feel like that he as some kind of sadistic, you know, way of, of wanting to teach us. It's not that because that's the only way we actually learn. Yeah. As human yeah, we're hard-headed. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if he could just get up and lecture us and we'd be like, yep, got it. I'm, that's exact. I know, right? I'm very wise now. I can, you know, knowledge applied. Here we go. It's not yep. usually the case. Um, but I think it's beautiful that as you're doing this, as you're learning these things, as you're trying to figure out what it looks like to give grace in the midst of your own grief and to walk through this and be okay when you're not okay and all those things that you just said, you're showing your kids that. And you're not showing your kids that just by having conversations. Although I'm sure you're having lots of conversations. You're showing your kids yeah. that by showing your kids that. More is, to be cliche, more is caught than it is taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next? I know right now you, we talked a little bit on air where you're like, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do, which you're 13 months out of this. That seems right and appropriate. You know, there's no real standard timeline for how these things work, but it made sense to me when you said that where you're like, I'm trying to, and we talk all, a lot about pain to purpose. How do we how do we flesh this pain out into a purpose? What, what do you feel like is, the th what, are, what are the things stirring in you right now? I really have no idea. Um, but, you know, I never intended to have my name on the front of a book as an author. That was Chris's thing. You know, yeah. I was, I was going to sit beside him while he did the podcast interviews and the promos for the book and, um, I was going to go with him when he spoke at conferences and things like that, that he was already doing, but that he was going to have the opportunity to do for this book. Like that's, yeah, that's not what I ever planned to do. And so because there are so many things that I've been doing the last 13 months that I never planned to do, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, okay, God. I don't know what I'm doing next, mm. but what you have taught me is 
everything's up for negotiation. <laughs> everything's on the table. Like I, I, you know, if, you know, a little over a year ago, somebody, if somebody had said, Hey, are you going to, you know, be talking to Davey on nothing is wasted podcast? I would say, you are out of your mind. Wow. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> and so here I am because God's brought me here, mm. but he didn't bring me here all at once. Yeah. It's taken us some time for him to, to, you know, move us and move me to the point where I am now. And so I don't expect all of that to happen overnight. That's right. And I'm just, I'm, I'm here and I'm, we're just doing the next thing. Yeah. And, you know, just praying and ready for God to tell me what that next thing is. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, as difficult as it can seem in the midst of grief, you're, you know, you still are grieving and you're going to continue to grieve, right? I mean, we all know that. We've talked about that yeah. a ton, that there's no like time limit on your grief. Not all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, okay, I'm done grieving. No, it, yeah. it happens in waves. It happens in cycles. You're going to continue to grieve. But in the midst of all of this, my encouragement to you would be find joy and contentment as this thing unfolds, because it's going to be amazing to see where God takes you with this, Melissa. Yeah. Because um, he always turns this stuff around and yeah. it might not be in our timing might not be the way that we expected it to be but the the amount of pain the amount of grief that you've walked through you better believe he's got a plan to take this and my favorite phrase now i had a friend say this to me he will weaponize this against the enemy and when my friend said that to mm. me he's like man david it's just like just like god to weaponize what the enemy does to his people against yeah. the enemy. And I was like, I like that phrase. And I know as an Enneagram 8, you like that phrase as well to think about all yes. this pain as being like bottled up as a weapon against the enemy um, to to really eliminate the work that he is trying to do um, and really shed yeah. light on the on the kingdom, the kingdom of light and his and God's work here in this world. And so it's awesome to mm -hmm. see what you're doing with this. How can we connect with you and how can we follow what's going on? Obviously, we want to um, make sure that we pick up the book and I want to make sure that we put all that, those resources right here on the show notes and, and on our web, our, our web page. But what, 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 what can we do to follow along with what you're doing? So you can find everything about the book, um, on our website, which is the same as the book title, write it on their hearts.com. You can find our socials there. We've got free resources and downloads there. And, um, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm with the Swains on Instagram. Mm. Awesome. Well, Melissa, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for spending time with us and for sharing your story. And um, I know that God's got so much more that he's writing in your life and in your kids' life, kids' lives. And so thank you for, for just sharing with us vulnerably and authentically. Thanks for having me. Man, what an incredible conversation. I mean, I was just, I was amazed at her faith. I think one of the things that really stuck out to me in that conversation, I think a, a thread that the Lord was really weaving in her story was the fact that she and her husband were so uh, determined and intentional about discipling their kids, helping others to disciple their kids. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as one of the topics that emerged in that conversation was the importance of disciple making early on in your life. You know, one of the things that we see so often in a very 
personal part of my story is that I attribute so much of the healing of my own story to the fact that I had really strong foundations of faith that preceded me. So, uh, you know, I joke around sometimes that I had a drug problem growing up that I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. And there may have been seasons that I resented that because church was not the highest priority for me. But when crisis hit my life, I was so glad that there were deposits that had been made into my life for years, that like early on in my formidable years, that I was hearing God's word, I was learning scripture, I was hearing about men and women of faith in the Bible where they were walking in trust and in faithfulness with the Lord. And I did not know that in the crisis, I would have to draw from those deposits. You know, when crisis hits your life, it's one of those times where, you know, it's like a sponge season. You know, what what comes out of you is what was already in you as your life is squeezed. And so I, I'm saying this, and I think what it, what the conversation with Melissa really prompted in me to to really speak into your life as you're listening to this is one, if you're a, if you're a parent, think about how important it is to have your kids in circles of faith, have them attending church, have them in small group, have them in youth group, making sure that they're around a community of believers who are going to pour into them, invest into them, who are going to help partner with you as you disciple your kids. How important it is to have the conversations early on as you're doing family devotions at the table, as you're talking about these things, you know, while you're dropping them off, dropping them off at school or taking them, taking them home from school or you're, you know, doing bedtime. Listen, I know it can be so frustrating that when you're trying to get your kids to bed, that's the moment that they try to stall bedtime as much as they possibly can. And they start asking you all these questions, but I would encourage you take a moment, take a moment and sit with them and discuss these things. Prolong bedtime a little bit because this is when their heart is malleable to hear uh, some, some, some truth and some encouragement and some hope from Scripture um, in regards to the things that they've been thinking through their entire day. And so this is the, the important formidable stages that plant deposits in your kids' lives because they, it, it's too late to prepare for the crisis when the crisis hits. We must constantly be training for the trial that we're not yet in and training up our kids, knowing they're going to experience some kind of pain and trial in their life at some point. So we're readying them for that. So if you're a parent listening to this, that's my encouragement to you. And, um, you know, if if you're listening to this and you're going, okay, Davey, it's really great that you had a great solid foundation growing up and that that attributed to your healing and your view of God in the midst of your tragedy that's awesome. I hear that, but I didn't have a solid foundation growing up. Here's what I want to encourage you with. You know, if you haven't listened to Christy's story on episode 100 of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, go and listen to that. Remarkable story of what God has been doing in her life and helping to mend her early childhood trauma. And I want to encourage you that even if you didn't have those formidable faith foundations early on in your life that you were able to draw from in your crisis, that is not too late to be mended now. Now, as you begin to lean into your pain, as you begin to lean into a strong, godly, safe community, you can see repair take place in the trauma that you've experienced. And those foundations can be, uh, it can be, can be reaffirmed, and the, the fractured foundations can be fit back together, it can be healed, can be restored, and can be repaired. It is not too late. So I want to encourage you 
with that. Melissa, just an incredible conversation. Thanks for sharing with us on this episode. And I want to make sure that you guys get an opportunity to go and check out the book that she and her her late husband co-wrote, Write It on Their Hearts. We'll put it right here in the show notes so you guys can easily access it. Um, If you need any help whatsoever, we would love to help you as you are trying to partner with God to take back your story. That's what we're here for. want to encourage you to go to nothingiswasted.com. We have lots of resources for you right there. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream any of his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn. Follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And um, we want to encourage you to go and check us out on YouTube. If you're listening to this in the car, we are on YouTube now. So come and join us there. Like, subscribe, follow what's going on over there at YouTube. And uh, next week, we have an incredible conversation with Mary DeMuth. Mary DeMuth. And this is on a topic that we have been asked quite a bit about, but I don't think that we've talked about it at all on the podcast. So a unique pain point that we've not yet addressed so I want to I want to just point you in the direction of Mary DeMuth next week. Join us on the podcast. Listen to this little clip from my conversation with Mary. And I think in our um, kind of family centric American Christianity, like we're yeah. we I feel bad for singles in American Christianity because they get oh, yeah. pretty marginalized right. and like. Right. The, upper echelon is you're a mom and a dad and you've got kids and then that's the whole thing and so we've deified or idolized this particular structure um Mm. and therefore uh if i want to be cool in my church i'm going to have these great perfectly behaved children and they are going to be in kind of some weird narcissistic way they're going to be a reflection of who i am and um let me just tell you folks (laughs) That's a very dangerous way to live because Man. 100% of your kids are going to do crazy things and they're going to dis- disappoint you and they're going to be out in the community when they do it. And so if your identity is tied to their behavior, you're on a slippery slope of identity. 